traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Ah, good afternoon, equestrians. This is Scott Miller coming to you live from Sunshine Meadows Equestrian Village in Delray Beach, Florida. Everything's going good here, and I'm lying to you because I just can't believe what's going on here with us. Uh, We've been experiencing a lot of rain, a lot of uh, winds, sustained winds of 30 to 40 miles an hour, Um, and we're supposed to get even worse tomorrow. Um, I'm supposed to get eight inches of rain and, you know, you know how the weather goes, but nevertheless, it still hasn't stopped our equestrian endeavors that we're going through today. All the horses, all the people are good. Uh, the farm's good. Uh, we're just going to ride it out. So, you know, again, it's like we've been always been saying, you got to be prepared and we're prepared, uh, for whatever comes our way. We're prepared, you know, so. You know, that's that's the good thing. Then the holidays are here, and all the kids and all the horses have got their stockings up in their stalls and in the barns. And, you know, it's just really a festive time of year for us, and really enjoy it. Just really enjoy it. You know, it's just um, exciting. Um, I've never seen so many cats on the farm with reindeer antlers on. <laughs> These kids will put a reindeer antler on anything that doesn't move. And uh, but it, it's fun and it's exciting. So we're going to get together here on the show today. It's going to be a potpourri. Um, like I said, I, all my files have been kind of mixed up, and so we're just going to take them as kind of one file at a time. And the one thing that we're going to talk about now is Heisen. They're trying to make uh, everything safer for the industry. Uh, you know, they're putting their heads together. Um, you know, and, and this is what we've been talking about is being prepared, uh, doing your homework in the horse business. Uh, when you start a project, make sure you do your due diligence and you go through every step of the way before you actually start, start the project, you know, and have a lot of questions and answers and, you know, things of that nature. And one thing I like about Heisen, that's what they're doing. Uh, whenever they do a project or implement a rule or a regulation, and Heisen inspects Turf Paradise surface before 2024 meet. That's one of the things that, um, you know, we need to do in the business is before the meets start anywhere, whether it's dirt, turf, uh, standard bred show horses, thoroughbreds, uh, you know, the, the track and the footing is very, very important because that helps us understand, you know, why there are breakdowns. If it's the track, if it's the horse, if it's training, if it's, uh, uh, you know, medications, if it's steroids, uh, you know, just uh, if it's the way they're broken, how they're trained up to, you know, racing and competition, uh, it really helps. Um, Turf Paradise remains on a schedule to open its meet next month after its racetrack service was uh, reviewed by officials from the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Authority, HISA. The track's general manager, Vince Franica, told uh, Arizona Racing Commission during the, its December 14th meeting. Um, the Phoenix track is set to race January 29th through May 4th. After not opening this fall, current owner Jerry Sims desired uh, to sell Turf Paradise. According to Frankini, uh, Tony Patterson, racetrack acceleration manager for Heisen and um, 
and director of the State Racing Commission Relations, uh, inspected the surface last week and were blown away by the renovation of its main track. Turf Paradise fell out of compliance with HISA early in 2023 over alleged violations of its racetrack safety program rules and lack of payment uh, in HISA assessment fees. Uh, it reached a compliance agreement in February. Frank Heaney said uh, officials have seen more uh, available horses for the meet than previously anticipated turf paradise races on both dirt and turf. Um, that, that's the main thing, you know, that, that, that Heiser is really doing is uh, surface, uh, dirt surface, uh, tr uh, turf surface, tapita surface. You know, they, they really inspect those things before the meets get up and get going. And so what, what we're saying about turf paradise is turf paradise realized what they needed to do prior to the meet opening and they, they uh, did it. They, they fixed the track. They did the track right, both turf and, and turf. Uh, you know, um, so that, that's what it's all about, you know, is making sure that you're prepared for your season coming up and, you know, do all the things that you need to do. And, you know, it really is exciting, you know, to see that. It, it, and, you know, now you see more horses wanting to go there because they know they're on a brand new surface. They're on a, uh, an approved safety, you know, surface. So that'll bring more horses in in which, uh, Turf Paradise has approved that by their stall applications that they're getting. And, uh, so, uh, you know, that, that's good to see. And, and Heisa gets a, a thumbs up uh, from International Equine Network. Now, you know, like I said, we're just going through this thing at random here. Um, for a long time in Kentucky, um, there was no sports wagering, uh, no casinos, just uh, gambling on, uh, on uh, horse racing. And, and so, uh, but now Kentucky had approved this year sports wagering uh, for the state of Kentucky. Um, regulatory reports more than $340.8 million in sports wagering handle through October. $340 million. Well, that's a lot of money for the state of Kentucky. You know, they, they did the right thing. Um, this is based on the numbers of the initial uh, months since uh, launch, uh, the launch of the Kentucky sports uh, wagering has been bigger than expected. Kentucky Horse Racing Commission, which oversees sports wagering in the state, has posted its first handle report for the combined months of September and October. Now, this is only, we're looking at only two months. We're looking at just two months here. And that was through October 31st. The regulator uh, report, uh, sports wagering handle of 340,813,000. Uh, 340 million, 813,000 After the sports launch uh, of uh, the brick and mortar locations, mobile platforms opened September 28th. Uh, those mobile platforms have quickly established themselves as the preferred outlet uh, for customers. So in other words, the brick and mortar, they ain't going to be that big and they ain't going to be that fancy, but they're going to be nice. And everything because everybody does things, you know, mobily now and, and also, but, um, it, it was very interesting. Uh, the, the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission reported 323 million 
in handle on mobile platforms since October 20, uh, since September 28 through October 31st. Well, I tell you what, that is, that is, that's amazing amount of money that's being wagered, you know, in the state. And, and now you understand why, uh, you know, the, the horse industry will say the horse industry as a whole. We're not going to just talk, say, thoroughbreds or standardbreds. We're talking about the horse industry as a whole. And, and this is a prime example of why the communication between the horse racing industry and the different venues and breeds. For example, you know, we're talking about like show horses. Uh, we're talking about standardbreds, thoroughbreds. We're talking about, uh, Quarter horses, uh, you know, dressage, uh, show jumping, hunter jumpers, you know, every, every aspect of the horse industry. And they finally realized that it's about communication. It's about distribution. That's what it's all about. And that's why I like the idea and the concept that I have here at the International Equine Network is about equine information distribution. That's what it's about. It's getting all those little stories out, getting all these things out for the, the consumer to hear, for the equestrians to hear and see. That's what we're trying to do here at the International Equine Network. And this is a prime example of it. Uh, look at the money that, that was generated not only by the sport itself, meaning the horse racing, you know, and, and uh, standard breads, you know. It was because of communication capabilities. The distribution of that information from Churchill Downs, Keeneland, Ellis Park, Turfway, the distribution of that information. And how does that happen? It happens through cell phones. It happens through internet. It happens through television. It happens through radio. Radio is actually getting a big, is really getting a big push now by the horse industry. Uh, so people can, you know, hear what, what's going on. And that, that's all about, it's all about communication and distribution. And so now they're trying to figure out ways to do that. Like right now at IEN, we have Wellington International. We have a lot of their live, uh, shows from, from the, uh, showgrounds that are being dis, doing, uh, have, we have distribution on, on IEN. And that's what it's all about. It's all about distribution. And so now people like Kentucky and Florida and, and California and, and the IEA and, and the um, uh, USEF, uh, the horse show people, um, the sales, everybody, it's that distribution. And they want to get it done as little dollar to it as possible. You know, they don't want to go out like they used to have to do if you wanted to have a, you know, the Kentucky Derby on TV. It cost them millions of dollars to ABC to get it done or NBC. And now it's so easy to get distribution that the cost has gone down to any, nothing. For example, uh, on IEN, it didn't cost you anything. It will not cost you anything to put your program on my website for distribution. Nothing. And you can't beat that because you already have the, the video in production ready for distribution. 
And now you're trying to find out where do I put it at? Do I put it on, you know, whatever outlet you can find? But here it's going to cost you nothing. If you go to the website, you can see all the people that we have that have allowed us to put their information on our website. You know, and so long story short, if you want to build your business, come to IEN. It's, it's, it may be small, but it's, it's a part of your distribution and part of your, um, you know, your demographics and who you get to. Now, like Churchill, making all that money, you know, off of, um, distribution of their product, you know, through the internet, through, uh, you know, the phones, uh, local radio stations, local TV stations. You know, they're generating that kind of money. And all it's going to do is get bigger. It's just going to get bigger. And their problem is, is producing a, a, a good program for, you know, their, their company, their products that they have. And so now, you know, it's kind of, now they're kind of behind the eight ball because now they got to get a, a, a production career in to, um, you know, uh, video and tape and do the interviews and, and, you know, it's, hey, let's catch up with them and see what's going on. But that, that that's just a sports book right there in Kentucky, which is brand new. And just about every state has a sports book that, you know, that's throwing that kind of money, you know, and, and through the windows in just a very few short months. You know, so that, that's what it's all about. And, again, like I said, you know, it, it's about distribution of your product. I don't care how small it is. I don't care how big it is. It's about distribution. I'd like to get a lot of these smaller horse shows uh, and these backyard horse shows, as they call them. That's fantastic because what happens is it shows you a roadmap, a journey that you go on when you get to the International Equine Network. That journey starts right here, and I don't care how big or how small, the journey starts here. And the thing I like about it is a lot of these small horse shows that you see end up being Olympians, you know, 15, 20 years down, down the line. That's what happens with it. You know, these, these kids start out real here and they, you can see how they grow and how they come up. And again, it's all about distribution. And hey, if you're a small horse show and if you got a small horse show that you want to get on, on, call me, email me here at International Equine Network. Let us know what you got. Because I tell you, if you got an iPhone, we can put you up on IEN. And everybody's got an iPhone. They're always taking selfies. You know, if you're going to take selfies and take pictures of your horses, let us know about it so we can tell everybody about it. You know, it's about distribution now. That's that's the key word in the horse industry is distribution. You know, and people don't understand that. You know, so it's going to be interesting. And speaking of distribution, we're going to talk about Bob Baffert here real quick. Bob Baffert does a lot of distribution of his horses. Got a lot in training, and he goes a lot of places and does a lot of things. But unfortunately, he's had some problems with getting in the Derby the last two or three years because of legal uh, situations that he has himself in. Well, again, this year, he is not going to be able to run in the 2024 Kentucky Derby because of sanctions that he has against him in Kentucky. And that's a shame because he has a lot, a lot of horses. Uh, Baffert takes three shots at the 14th Los Alamitos Futurity. 
uh, he's got three horses running this field. And I mean, they're good horses. They, if Bob wasn't in, in trouble, he'd have, he could have seven in a derby this year. Uh, but this, again, this is a small field out of Los Alamitos. Uh, it's a six horse field. Bob's got three of them. His former assistant trainer, Tim Yankton, uh, he's got one in there. So it's pretty much like a four horse against, uh, uh, you know, Doug O'Neill and Phil Diamato in here. Um, but Bob comes up with the horses. He does the right thing. He keeps them out less and that's where he keeps them running at. Um, you know, he's, he has won the Los Alamitos Futurity 13 times. 13 times. Now, how does a guy win uh, uh, the Los Alamitos Futurity 13 times in a row? It's by sheer number of horses. He comes in there, and like uh, like tomorrow, um, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, or the 16th. Uh, listen, three horses in a six-horse field? What are your chances? What are, what are your chances? Again, it goes back to that key word in the horse business, distribution. He's got the owners, and he knows how to do the distribution of his horses. You know, and it's going to be interesting to see how he comes out of it. The sad part about it is is that, um, you know, there's derby points up for, uh, up for grabs here, and he won't get any of the points because he's not allowed to run in Kentucky. You know, how's he going to, how's he going to explain that? You know, how, how can you explain that to your owners? You know, I can, well, you know, you, you, we might have the points to run in the Derby, but can't do it because I can't race in the Derby because of my situation and everything. So, but, and again, see all through this uh, story today, we're going to talk about distribution, you know, about being prepared and doing distribution of your horse product, your horse service, uh, whatever you do that's there. And then oh, another little uh, Heiser report here. Uh, three trainers, Murphy, uh, joined uh, the Heiser advisory group. Um, thoroughbred trainers, Dale Romans, John Sadler, and Shug McGahee are racing, uh, uh, and racing bloodstock manager Gavin Murphy joined the horse racing integrity and safety uh um, authority. Um, these are three guys that have been there and they've done that and they know what it's all about. Uh, they know how to uh, uh, race good horses, train good horses. Uh, they've been on the track uh, enough to uh, know, you know, what's going on, uh, who's doing what. Uh, you know, they, they know it all. And that's the great greatest thing in the world about it, you know, about having three guys like this on here. Um, when you get trainers of this quality on there, it tells you two things. That, um, one, you've got the best of the best overseeing what's going on. you got the best of the best that's been there and done that, uh, both good and bad. Some of them have had their, their incidents, you know, with uh, racing regulations, you know, but um, they worked it out. They figured what it was, you know, and, and they're good, you know, and that's what I like about it. Uh, the Heiser, uh, they have the, this kind of experience out here. Uh, you know, it's just it's just really good. Uh, Dale Romans, you know, he's an Eclipse Award-winning trainer. He's from Louisville, Kentucky. 
He operates Roman's Racing uh, in New York, Kentucky, and Florida. Uh, he's a member of the board of directors as well as the vice president of the Kentucky Horseman Benevolent and Protective Association. Um, he's a member of the Churchill Downs Racing Committee at uh, and Gulfstream, and Churchill and Gulfstream. Uh, John Sadler, uh, a California-based trainer, a former show horse jumper, who's been training since 1978. In addition to training uh, multiple Eclipse champions, Sadler uh, was the president of the California Thoroughbred Trainers uh, Association and a member of the board uh, boards of the Edwin Gregson Foundation uh, and the Thoroughbred Owners of California. So, I mean, you know, this guy's, his experience uh, is second to none. You know, he's been there, he's done that. He knows what to look for. He knows, he, he gets inside the mind of, you know, of the horse and, and how the horse business operates. And, and that's really good. Uh, Suge McGahee, which I uh, worked for uh, years ago, um, back in the days when he had uh, uh, Pine Circle and and uh, Paulus and Fit for a Queen, Queena, uh, had, had beautiful champions. Uh, Suge is a New York-based Hall of Fame trainer and a native of Lexington, Kentucky. Historically, the private trainer for uh, the Fifth Stable, he brings more than 30 years of experience as a top horseman to the Horseman's Advisory Group. Five of McGahee's trainees have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now, you know, when you got a guy like that that is producing horses, uh, you know, on that at that level, you know, it's just unbelievable, you know, to see that kind of a guy step into, you know, the board of directors or the, the board of Heisen. And what, the more people would get involved with horse Heisen and know that know the horses like these three guys do, it, it makes it a lot easier to start, you know, uh, figuring out what's going on. Why is, is this happening? How did this happen? You know, uh, it's, it's really good to have those kind of people, you know, on the board, uh, you know, like that. Uh, you know, because like I said, it's about information distribution and all the information they have, they're doing their distribution of that information to the highs of people. That's what they're doing. So it's really exciting to have those kind of people there. You know, they're involved with the horse business now, and it, and it, and the people know exactly what uh, can be done, you know, uh, to stop and prevent these things that are happening, you know, out there. And also, uh, that, that's a good segment there. We got another segment and jumping around here at Churchill Downs State to provide an entry to the Epson Ascot, um, racing, uh, fields. Now, for a long time, um, you know, in order to get a good horse, um, you know, to race at your track, you had to offer a lot of money, incentives to get them there. And so, the Derby started, uh, you know, it used to be in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, they'd take the top 20 horses most that earn the most money. So that's originally the way it was. And so then, uh, some years back, they got uh, a program in, and it was about, um, you know, what race, prep races did you run to get into the Derby? So they, look at, they looked at all a lot of the races in there, and every track literally has two or three races that lead up to their big race and for example like the arkansas derby uh 
they have like the Southwest stakes and, and, you know, in Louisiana, they, they got, um, you know, uh, races that lead up to the, uh, um, you know, the Louisiana Derby, uh, same thing in Florida. Uh, they got, uh, races that lead up to their big races at Tampa and, and at, uh, Gulfstream and same thing in New York and same thing in California. They have all these, uh, races that are dirt Kentucky Derby prep races that are earn them points. And so, you know, you earn enough points, you get into the, you know, the triple crown races. And that's basically what that system does. It sets everybody up for the triple crown races. And, and like I said, every track has, you know, uh, attracted uh, a race that'll give you points to get into the Kentucky Derby. In fact, there's uh, 26 races that lead up to the Kentucky Derby that you can run in in various tracks in there. And so now, uh, and, and that, that kind of like runs along with the Breeders' Cup, um, the, the point system. Uh, the Breeders' Cup have, has a system that when and you're in. You win one of the designated races leading it up to the Breeders' Cup, and you automatically get in. And so what they did to entice the owners and trainers to run these, uh, you know, pre- uh, uh, Oh, how would I say that to learn uh, running these races that have been designated as a Breeders' Cup, you know, uh, win and you're in type thing. What they do is if you win and you're in, um, that race, then the Breeders' Cup pays for your trap to uh, an entry fees to the Breeders' Cup wherever it's at. And uh, whether you're over in Europe, whether you're in Asia, whether you're here in the States, that's what every owner and trainer wants to do because that cuts out a lot of costs. A lot of entry fees, and they do that. And so um, they do that for the Breeders' Cup. And then there's a lot of invitational races across the country that it's by invite only. And the racing secretaries will come in, and they'll they'll say, you know, hey, you know, we get this horse in California running pretty good on the grass. Uh, we get this horse in Canada that's running pretty good. And, uh, he's running, he, you know, they're running good in Kentucky, uh, Virginia, Florida, Arkansas, you know, and they, they have what they call an invitational invite. And so they invite those uh, horses there. And what it does is it gets a chance for um, people to see horses good from all over the country and all over the world. And it also adds, adds an added value to the, to the sponsors and the people that, that, um, you know, um, you know, advertise and sponsor the different racetracks because it's getting people from all over. And all, but uh, Kentucky uh, Church of Downs stakes to provide an entry to Epson and Ascot, and we're going to see here what they got to say about that. Uh, so Churchill Downs has announced a new partnership with the British Jockey Club and the Ascot Racecourse to offer a program where horses entering, um, competing in, uh, during Kentucky Derby Week, can receive an entry and travel incentive for the races at Epson Downs Racecourse and Royal Ascot. Now, see, again, they're trying to build up the quality and the talent during the uh, Derby Week, the 10 days of Derby, and they've created races that if you win that, you're in over at Ascot and and, um, and, and Epson. And so now that makes a lot of trainers start thinking about the training you know, situation. Uh, since it's all grass over there in Europe, you know, these will be all, all pretty much grass horses. They go so that gives the trainer, you know, a, a target to focus on in training his horses. What can he do to, you know, get his horses to that ability to 
to win those races so that they can go to Europe. You know, and, and it's again, it's all about preparation and training, and you know, it's something that you just can't say, "Oh, well, I guess I'll run." You know, you got to prepare for it, and, and it's about uh, you know preparation and everything. And this is a special partnership that will give owners and trainers a great opportunity to run uh, in some of our marquee races during Kentucky Derby Week. Derby Week. And in exchange, they could uh, receive entries into uh, Europe's most prestigious turf races. Um, you know, and so that, that's a, uh, <laughs> that's something that, you know, it's kind of funny how everything goes into like a circle. Uh, literally, you know, horse racing was very big in Europe for a long, more than so than it was, you know, here in the States. And, and, uh, so now it gives you a shot, you know, to go to Europe and, and go back and, and see how they run and, and everything. So, um, uh, that, that'll be interesting to see what happens there at Churchill. But the key words there was, uh, you know, when they were talking about, uh, uh, you know, the racing at Churchill. You know, that, that's some good money that week that Turk's talking about. Uh, in return for the above incentives, uh, horses from Kentucky Derby uh, weekend, a, a runner from both uh, the Prince of Wales states and Queen Anne, Queen Anne states uh, will receive an entry and travel incentive to run in the Arlington Million states in uh, mid-August at Colonial Downs. In addition, uh, the runner uh, the runner from the Tattersall Sales Falmouth Stakes at Newmarket July Festival will receive an entry uh, and travel incentives to run in the Beverly D Stakes the same day as the Arlington Million. So what's happened is these racetracks are getting together and they're saying, hey, you know, what what can we do to get you to come over here and race? And so and so they get these uh, programs, these these races set up. Uh, you know, they got uh, three or four, you know, uh, Derby Week, um that you can run and, and go to Europe and, and say, by the same token, you got, you know, races that are doing the same thing over in Europe that'll get them to come over to run here in the United States. And so it's kind of creating an international competition. And when you start creating an international competition, that gets the eyes and the ears of the sponsors. That gets you the eyes and ears of the trainers. That's what it does. You know, that's what it does, you know, and, and, Next thing you know, you got an international race uh, everywhere you go. Uh, you know, with that, uh, for example, uh, Forever Young jumps to the lead in Japan on the road to the Kentucky Derby. Um, For Forever Young uh, said goodbye to his eleven rivals in the hello to, to the Kentucky Derby. Speculation at the top of the street uh, of the stretch in uh, December thirteenth, the Zen Nippon. Uh, race in, uh, in, uh, Kawasaki. The race, uh, was the second of four, uh, Japan races on the road to the Kentucky Derby. So now all of a sudden we're starting to get these horses in Japan that are doing real good. And I'm going to tell you something. I watched this race. It was good. This horse, this horse is a real deal. And, and the question is, is when do they bring him over? That's the question. When do they bring him over? You know, and again, you know, we're looking at uh, the derby points and where can you get them? You can get them in Japan. You can get them in Europe. Uh, you know, you can get them from all over the world. And, and uh, it's all about preparation and planning. And the Japanese are doing a real good job. Uh, they've got their their dirt courses are really good. 
um, they're finally picking up, you know, uh, uh, they have their own good training program, but they've, you know, they're kind of fine tuning it with a lot of things that we do here in the States and everything, but they got a good, you know, program that's feeding them into, you know, the big international races. And, and that's what uh, I think is uh, the most exciting thing about it is we're starting to get horses from all states, all countries, all distances, um, you know, all together and competing literally, you know, against each other. And, and what's funny about it is, is like, you know, the Breeders' Cup is the one that's going to come out, um, you know, to the good. I mean, we all come out to the good on it because it's good to have this international flavor. But the the funny part about it is, is one of these days it's going to be a true Breeders' Cup. You're going to see multiple horses in the races uh, at the Breeders' Cup from different countries, um, from the sprints to the grass to the dirt. Uh, you know, you're going to see that. And that's that's what's getting interesting about the horse business now is a lot of these trainers, you know, uh, for example, for a long time, Tom Pletcher was not a turf trainer. He had a few here and there, but now Todd's starting to make a statement on the grass. Uh, Chad Brown turn, has turned out to be one heck of a uh, turf uh, uh, racetrack ter- uh, trainer. Uh, he's just unbelievable, you know, what what he can do and, and how he can do it. And he's got multiple horses running in, you know, a lot of the big you know, the grass races and everything. So, you know, that's, uh, that's one thing that, um, you know, everybody's looking at. You know, how can it's about being prepared, you know, prepare for anything. Yeah, like I don't, like me, I don't prepare very good for my shows on Friday because I got so much going on out here. But, uh, you know, it's something that that I do every night and kind of take a, uh, you know, a professional look at, you know, what all's going on and and how I think. Uh, A lot of people think different than I do, but I try to see the whole picture of everything. It's just not, uh, you know, well, you know, uh, this guy, he wins only sprint races. Uh, me, I like all of it. You know, uh, I like the television. I like the newspaper end of it. Um, I like uh, just about everything, you know, about it. And then uh, something that, that I forgot to tell everybody is I became a member of the uh, Florida Harness Racing uh, Association uh, Riders Group. And, and also you'll be starting to be seeing things for me, you know, and, and a lot of print ads from, you know, the writing aspect of it you know, that, that I'll be doing. So it's just kind of expanding a little bit, you know, uh, to get get things going. Uh, here in Florida, it, we've been devastated uh, by the harness industry. Um, it, it, what happened is we used to have Pompano Racetrack. And so through the negotiations of the of the, um, um, the, the Pompano Casino, and the Harness Association, the Florida Breeders and Owners Association, they've separated uh, ways for two years now. And um, we had the Florida Stallion Stakes Series here um, the last six weeks at uh, Sunshine Meadows, and, and uh, they were naming their uh, year, year-end champions and, you know, and, and doing their thing. But unfortunately, uh, this, this pretty much uh, was the close, the last of it. Uh, they're just not going to have enough horses to to race in fact this year uh, we had four races that only had one horse in it and you know it's kind of nice 
for the people that had that one horse because the purse money last week was like $20,000 to the winner and uh, because they were the only one in the race. And then the other races only had like two or three, four, four horses at the most. You know, and that, that's kind of sad because we saw an industry die, you know, here in Florida, mainly because you couldn't get the people to sit down and work out an agreement. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't work out an agreement. There was too much greed. You know, they, they were just, there was just too much there. And, and it's kind of sad because the same thing, uh, about the same time that, uh, harness people went into negotiations with the casinos, the thoroughbreds did the same thing with, uh, you know, with, with the casinos that they were at, like Gulfstream and, you know, and, and Tampa. And, and it, it was quite interesting. But now look at, look at Gulfstream. Racing year round, full races every day, pretty much. You know, uh, everything's going good, you know. Uh, same thing over at Tampa. You know, they're wanting to do more and everything. But, uh, you know, it was interesting, you know, to see that happen. Uh, you know, it just makes you wonder sometimes when you get into negotiations with, with different things and different people. Now, me, I'm not a very good negotiator. Uh, and, and the reason that is, is because fortunately I've been blessed. I can see through the smoke screen that they're trying to throw up in, in front of us. And let me tell you, there's a lot of pandering that goes on, you know, that they come in and, you know, they, oh, well, I've done this and I've done that. And, and that's good. You know what you've done and, and, you know, but it's what you're doing. Where are you going? You know, that's the main thing of that, especially like in the horse race. There's a lot of guys out there. I don't see how I'm making it. They're going in there day to day, seven days a week. And, you know, they're paying bills, you know, pretty much. But they're not going anywhere. You know, and that's kind of sad to say. I know some of these guys here that they've had stalls at Tampa and Gulfstream and, and Churchill and Turfway and Ellis Park and and, uh, you know, uh, you know, places like that for 30 years, but they didn't set the world on fire. And, you know, and every day you just kind of wonder how, you know, how they're making it, you know, it just kind of makes you wonder, you know, you see, that's, gee whiz, they're trying to rub two nickels together. And all they got is a, is a nickel and three pennies, you know, and I said, that's not good. That's not good. But the whole, the whole, as a whole, the horse industry is getting better. So, you know, the show horse industry, out the, uh, out the roof. It's unbelievable what they're doing at Tryon and World Equestrian Center and, and uh, here at Wellington and out at, um, uh, you know, Parker, Colorado, uh, you know, you're in, out in California at Thermal, uh, you know, Devon. Uh, all these states, uh, Kentucky's got a great show horse. Uh, group there that they have it's just amazing what they have and so you know i was so excited to see uh that uh you know the industry's coming together as a whole they're working together you know with each other um you know like here we talked about last week when the racing uh, commission approved uh, the the uh, turf paradise race dates you know, and, and why, why did they do that is because Turf Paradise went in and put a new track and new turf in. That's what they did, you know, and, uh, same thing at Gulfstream. 
Gulfstream's got a new turf course, and it's been well received by the horsemen. You know, that's what you're looking at there. You know, and so uh, everything we've just now been talking about is about preparation. What can you do? How are you doing it? Getting the right people for the right job, you know, is what you do. Um, you know, the, right now, uh, another thing, this goes back to, uh, you know, Heisen and to, you know, so, uh, some uh, things that they're wanting to do and horse owners are wanting to do. And, and right now, uh, the American Animal Equine Practitioner Association seeks proposals for web, wearable biometric sensors. So what they're wanting to do now is they're wanting to get in and, and get sensors on these horses so that when they're training, uh, you know, in the daytime, their heart's being monitored, their lungs are being monitored. Uh, you know, it's got a whole array of uh, different things that they'll be checking for, you know, through uh, electronically through uh, sensors and the, and the saddle pads and the bridles and, you know, that type of thing. And you can do that for show horses. You can do that for race horses, standard breads, uh, quarter horses, you, you name it. You can do it for all of them. Is what you can do, you know, with it and everything. So, again, it's all about information. Every one of these things that we've just talked about was about information. You know, uh, you get the information out to the right people, and you can you can move mountains. You know, you you can literally come in and and have an economic impact on any and everything around you. You know that that you're at, and and you know it's tough. This is a tough business to be in. Uh, you know, like, for example, the sales, you know, that are coming up. Uh, April 3rd, we got the Texas two-year-old training sales. And a two-year-old training sale, you can get one pretty much ready to go. Uh, you know, it's in April. Now you got some two-year-old races coming up June, July, and August that are pretty good. You know, so that that could be a big score right there for, for an owner or, you know, for a trainer when they go to those. Uh, that you can see. And what I like about it? If you see these two-year-old training races, you see all the sales on intv.org. You, you see, you see all those live, you know, uh, and all those races. You see everything. You get the inside behind the scenes look at it. Um, like for example, uh, January 23rd and 24th, uh, we have the mixed sale uh, at um, Ocala Breeders. Uh, horses of racing age. Uh, the horse in a racing age under tack is uh, January 22nd, which is a Monday, and, and that's at 9 a.m. Uh, so you can see those before they go through the ring. You know, you can actually see the product in a, in a working condition. Um, then in, in March, March 12th through the 14th, OBS has the uh, two-year-old training sales. The under tack show is March 6th through the 9th, uh, Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, at 8 a.m. That means that you can watch these horses on the internet. You can watch them on TV. You can watch them on IEN TV. You can watch them all on there, and then you can go to the sales. You know, um, they got a spring sale of two-year-olds in training on April 16th through the 19th. That attack show is uh, April 7th through the 13th. Um, so, you know, that, that's, uh, that's something that you can do there. You can see the product working before you actually, you know, go in to buy it. Uh, they got the two-year-olds and horses of racing age um, under tax show June 3rd and 8th uh, at OBS. And, and, you know, this is what I like about this, the in-training sale. You literally can go buy you a horse in this sale and take it and enter it next week. In other words, let's say, say I go to OBS and buy a horse. Uh, 
and I see a race up at Turfway, I could literally enter it, you know, and then three or four days later be at Turfway racing or be at Gulfstream or Tampa racing. And that's what I like about that. You know, you, you work you out a deal and next thing you know, you're racing. You know, you didn't have to put, you know, a year in of training and setbacks into it. Uh, you know, but, but again, this is all again about product information, product distribution. That's what all, all the horse business is. If you want to buy a horse, there's all kinds of ways you can look at them. You can physically go look at them. You can watch them on the internet. You can watch them race. You can go to the farm and look at them, but you got to have that information. And that's what the horse business has been lacking for a lot of years. They've been lacking distribution. You know, that, that, that's the tough part about it. Um, a good example this year, there are 575 stake races that will be offered up in, uh, 2024. 575 stake races. That means that, you know, literally you're running what, almost two a day. You know, uh, throughout the year that you can go see a quality race, a stakes race, and no matter what track you're at, you know, whether it's, uh, Ellis Park or whether it's, uh, Turfway Park or, uh, Thistle Downs or, you know, Tampa, Gulfstream, Churchill, Santa Anita, Los Alamitos. You can always go see a good stakes race. And, and now that's what the, the horse industry has realized that we gotta promote. We got to get the distribution of our product out there on the shelf to everybody and anybody that wants to see it, you know, and we want to do it for free. We want to do it for free. They can come to my website and see all that information for free. You know, same thing with the horse shows. Horse shows are getting more and more money added to it every weekend that you see uh, at Wellington, uh, World Equestrian Center, um, Tryon. Uh, you know, Chicago, uh, Parker, Colorado, uh, Thermo, California. You can see all these horse shows, you know, just like these stakes calendars that are put out. Uh, you know, there's literally a stakes race, you know, every weekend somewhere big. Uh, you know, I, I, that's what I try to tell people. Uh, you know, you got to get out and see what is there. Uh, for example, uh, they got the Shamrock Rose Stakes. Uh, that was November 22nd. Uh, it was at, um, oh, let's see, that was at, at Charlestown. Two-year-old Phillies, $200,000. It's a good race. That was a good race. Uh, the Fall City Handicap at Churchill Downs. That was back in November, $400,000. You know, every track has their day. It's just when is it? You know, and it's about information. Come to us when you find out where it's at, when it's at, and when they're doing that. Um, you know, like the Kentucky Derby. Every weekend there is a race somewhere going to the Derby. You know, like this week, you know, we're looking at um, the Springboard Mile and Los Alamitos Futurity is what we're looking at. You know, that's the road to the Kentucky Derby. And so, you know, you're looking at a Los Alamitos race course and Remington uh, racetrack that they have there. It's just amazing, you know, what all's coming up uh, already this year. And this year is really not even over yet. There's still two-year-olds. 
uh, the fierceness, uh, Todd Pletcher, the repo stable horse, has earned a million forty-five thousand dollars already this year. Locked, another Todd Pletcher horse has earned five hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars this year. Uh, Honor Marie uh, is a, a great horse by uh, Whitworth D. Beckman. Uh, he's made two hundred sixty-five thousand this year. And it just goes on and on and on. They're all trying to get those points to the Kentucky Derby. You know, so you're seeing a good race every weekend, everywhere we go. Uh, you know, that, that's the thing that really amazes me to see who all's there. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was looking down here, some of these guys that you never even heard of, uh, you know, that all of a sudden they jump up and they get a good horse. You know, wow, look at look out, here they come, you know. Um, and what's funny is I know some of these guys, and some of these guys are so so doggone nervous. And it's not even close to Derby yet. It's just that they found out they got a damn good horse, and he's ready to run, you know, and where do I go with him now? You know, that, that's, the, that's the funny part about it. And see, it goes back again for not being prepared. I tell you what. The toughest thing in the world that a, that a horseman has to go through is being prepared. Being prepared for losing is easy because all the facts and figures are there. He didn't run good the first half mile. He was slow. Uh, you know, um, he got hurt. There's just so many things that uh, you know that that you can say when, when your horse loses. You know. And, you know, I mean, I don't mean dwell on it and use it as an excuse, but, you know, that, that's the horse losing. Trainers, that's the, that's the easy part. That's the easy part of being, being, uh, prepared for racing or showing or, you know, or the sales. The tough part is winning. When you win, man, the pressure just, you know, doubles and quadruples on you. It, it's tough. It's tough when you win, when you win, because when you start winning, then they start expecting expecting you to win, and that's that's the toughest part. That is the toughest part. Hey, I've learned in my life, whenever you're racing, whenever you lose, say very little, and whenever you win, say even less, and you'll get through it. You will get through it. That's for sure. But, you know, we got all these races that are, that are coming up. And now it's, you know, getting to the point where in January, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have a pretty good look at the top 20 horses, you know, for the Kentucky Derby in 2024. We're going to have a pretty good look at them, you know, to see who's where and, you know, where they're at and where they're going, you know, and how many of them come good out of it. You know, you want to race in, 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 uh, December, you know, where do you go to in January? You know, there's a ton of races that you have to go to or can go to, you know, but where do you go? And then you got to remember that any given time and point from January on that you run, that can end your derby hopes. You know, uh, the only thing that you have left in in the, from January to April, you got two races. Yeah, you got a good race and a bad race. And that's going to dictate where and how you get to the Derby. You got a good race and a bad race. 
Now, I've seen some horses that have had bad races that got on and won the Derby. I've seen some horses that had great races that went on to run last in the Derby. You know, so there, there's a lot of things that go on, you know, with getting to getting to the Derby. I mean, a lot of things. Uh, there's some doggone good races up, uh, you know, in um, in this country. I'll, I'll give you a good one, for example. Uh, the Risen Star is a prep race for the Derby and usually a prep race for the uh, Arkansas Derby. But when you start going down through and you're looking at it, you say, gee whiz, you know, there a lot of these guys, you know, where are they going? And this is a pivotal point in a horse's career that, and, and a trainer's career. When you're sitting here, and we're going to look at Arkansas real quick. they got some real nice uh, races in Arkansas. And, uh, like for example, um, they have, uh, the Southwest, which is a, which is a $600,000 at Oakland. Good race leading up into, like we were talking about, the races that lead up to their signature event, like the Arkansas Derby. So you're looking at the Southwest and it's $600,000, uh, or $800,000. Sorry about that. And then you come back and you start looking and, Seeing what all do, what else do they have there? Uh, then you look at uh, they got the Rebel. The Rebel is a million two hundred fifty thousand dollars in Oakland. And what's that getting you ready for? The Arkansas Derby, which is a million five hundred thousand. So you can literally stay in Arkansas. The races are spaced out enough to where they could get you right into you know Churchill Downs. That's the ideal scenario is Arkansas, the money that they have and the races that they have. And if you can come through and win one, two, or all three of those, well, you're sitting pretty dollar-wise and you're sitting right on top of the Kentucky Derby because those races are spaced out just right. And so a trainer and an owner have to kind of look at those things that they're going through. You know, what can we do? Where can we do it at? Uh, you know, that, that type of thing. But it's all about being prepared. You know, and, and that time of year that you're getting ready for the Derby and, and, uh, you know, our shows, horse shows, for example, the time that you're getting ready for horse shows, uh, you know, you, you got to plan, plan your, your, your journey to the Derby, uh, how they get there. You know, uh, that journey can be a tough one, you know, at times. And the thing that I, I, that we're going through, like right here and now in Florida, we've had some of our, uh, we've had some of our show horses. Uh, our, our shows have been, uh, they have been canceled because of this weekend. Uh, we've been having 30 to 40 mile an hour sustained winds, uh, you know, here in, at Wellington. Uh, we're getting rain. We're supposed to get five inches plus of rain, uh, here, uh, tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow. Uh, it's supposed to be 40 mile an hour sustained winds tomorrow. Uh, so it, it's really going to be tough. You know, for those people doing, you know, doing the shows. And then, you know, same thing in Miami. These horses are getting ready for the Kentucky Derby and they go through, you know, four or five days or a week with bad weather and have to readjust their training. You know, and that makes it tough. That makes it real tough. And same thing when you're up east or the Midwest or in the south or out west. It makes it tough. It's all about horse, you know, the, the preparation that you do, the plans that you have. And let me tell you, the way the horse business is getting on, information, distribution, 
is just phenomenal. They realize that they've got to start pushing their product. They've got to start helping the horsemen by offering them incentives, like going to Europe, like going to the Churchill Downs, like going to the Breeders' Cup. The Breeders' Cup has a good incentive when you're in. They pay, pay your expenses. And all, that's what it's all about. You know, it's the horseman distribution of information. And it's kind of like uh, putting everything in a, in a in a bowl and then, pick, you know, picking the things out that you need. And so finally, the horse horsemen and the horse owners and the tracks in the show show venues have realized that they got to get the horsemen in there. How do we get those people from all over the world here to see our product? What do we do? How do we advertise it? How do we push it? Well, that's the that's the key word right there. It's advertise. You got to advertise. But what do you do for the horsemen? You know, if you want a real good product that you need, then you got to advertise it. And if you don't have anything to advertise, then it's going to be a hard, hard row to go. So that's why the creation of all these different ways to get to the Derby, to get to the top horse shows, to get to Europe, to get to the sales and everything is information distribution. The more you know, the better you are. And that's what they're all realizing now. You know, where can I do it? That's like me at nighttime. I sit here. And like we've got the races on now today on our website. And then tonight we, we have a carryover that'll have live racing from, uh, from, uh, Canada. We got live racing tomorrow or in the middle of the night that starts at, uh, from South Africa. You know, and it's about that distribution. And hey, I may be just a little guy, but when you start adding all those little guys up together and then throwing them in with the big networks and everything and you go to a sponsor, and tell them, say, look, this is what I do. You know, I go to so many countries. I go to, uh, you know, do it in English, Spanish, Italian, German. Got a lot of harness racing is, is, is German. that They speak in German. And, all, and it's about that information. It's about the distribution and information that we do here. So I hope I've really confused you because if I, if I can't get you to listen to me or come out and visit with us, uh, on my talents, then maybe I can, you know, put a question or put a little thing, say, well, what the heck's he talking about? We're trying to go see what this guy's talking about. Is he the real deal? Where is he at? Let's go to South Florida when we're out here. In fact, uh, from South Carolina last week, we had, uh, people from South Carolina that uh, came out and saw, saw the horses. And, uh, you know, that, that's what it's all about. It's distribution, information, equine. That's what it's all about. So I bored you enough, and you know, like I say, I always say, "Thank God I don't have a lot of listeners because that means I got nobody complaining, nobody criticizing me, nobody saying nothing, and that makes my day." <laughs> you know. Now if I had a lot of people listening to me, hey boy, that was a bad show. You did this wrong. You did that. I'd be in trouble, wouldn't I? I, I sure would. But next week is our end of the year report on show horses our show next week is going to be nothing but show horses so tune in and uh, we'll go from there but have a good holidays be safe take care and remember google horse horses 
in your area and go pick a show to go to or a race to go to. Thank you. This is Scott Miller from Delray Beach, Florida.